Hi there, I'm Jim. And I'm Claire. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me today, once again, Dr. Claire LaMonica, our director. Hi, Claire. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm great. Claire, I have to ask you an important question. What's that? Do you think I spent enough time preparing for this podcast? Probably not. Okay. And the reason I, it's okay to say that is because a lot of people don't spend enough time working on the tasks at hand, and that's why we're talking today about... Time on task. And what is time on task? We touched on it briefly in a previous episode, but just to refresh everyone's memory. Yeah. Time on task is one of the uh, seven principles for good practice in undergraduate education. Um, it's actually principle number five, if anybody cares. If you're keeping um, score at home. If you're keeping score yeah. at home. Basically, it refers to the time that our students spend engaging in the learning activities that we've designed for them. And, and this is in class and or at in home class or wherever. Or at, okay. out of class. And I think, you know, it's easier to sort of manage that in class time because mm -hmm. they're right there with us. Mm -hmm. And so we know that occasionally they're going to, you know, they get distracted by a phone or by something that's happening outside the window or something that's going on in the hall or whatever. But we can usually um, bring them back from that, you know, pretty quickly as long as we're, you know, being engaging and, and have they have something to come back to. So that's, mm -hmm. that's good. It's that out of class time that we may not spend enough time thinking about. What, what does the research show us? What do the numbers show us yeah. as far as what students say they're doing outside of class? Well, actually, we had a director's desk about, about this um, a, a year or so ago, and um, I'm sure we can link to it on the, on the page, this on is the an article from our, page. Yes, it yeah. was an article from, our, um, from the CTLT newsletter. And I wrote that after uh, getting some numbers from the university assessment services, mm -hmm. which looked at the Nessie and the Bessie and the Fessy, you know, which are all uh, surveys of student engagement and faculty engagement. Mm -hmm. um, send me an email if you want to know what those stand for. <laughs> and um, the 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 column had a lot of charts and numbers and things like that in it. But I think the bottom line was that students spend a little more time than we think preparing for class, but not nearly as much as we would like. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we need to get beyond just hoping that they spend time thinking about our classes when they're not in them mm -hmm. and actually start thinking about that time outside of class as an extension of our class. Right. So actually planning things for them to do mm -hmm. and holding them accountable for spending time doing those things. So what are some of these activities that they should be doing outside of class? Because we're talking about, in general terms, thinking about the class, but really... right. Well, you know, reading the textbook. Yeah, number number one answer I, number on the board. One right? answer, yeah. Number one yeah. answer on the board. If we were playing Family Feud, that would be, everybody would talk about that. Um, 
It's really interesting. You know, we as faculty um, often complain about what, you know, if they would just read the textbook. And students, when we go out and do midterm chats, and I am sure I am not alone on this, Mm -hmm. because when I go out and do a midterm chat with a class and I ask them what they could do as students to uh, promote their own learning, to, you know, to make a better learning experience, Almost always the number one or number two answer is, oh, well, yeah, we should probably do the reading. And so they know they should do it. We want them to do it. And we get caught up in this vicious cycle where we don't think they did it. So we take class time to lecture over what they should have read. And then they know they don't need to read it because... The next time they come to class, we're going to lecture on whatever they should have read. So, yeah, I had that conversation, that exact conversation with a faculty member yesterday after yeah. a midterm chat, and uh, she was just very forthright and said, "You know, I, I don't feel like they're going to read." And then I said, "Well, but if you don't set the expectation for them to read, then they're not going to read. Right. You know, because they're going to they, they they have been trained over years. This is something that we inherit from students, or that we inherit from our predecessors." who have taught these students to some extent, they've gone through school, I think, uh, especially on the college level, a lot of them thinking that they can get away with this. Well, it's, and, and they it's can. Not, and, and it's not really a matter of getting away with it, like, oh, they're going to, oh, oh, oh I stole this. You know, it's not like they're the they're, they're the Hamburglar or something like that. Um, it's more along the lines of, uh, it's just this natural sort of expectation. You know what? You know what? Students are busy people. Yeah. They prioritize. Mm-hmm. We're bu- busy people. We prioritize. Mm-hmm. So they prioritize the tasks that they have to do that they know they're going to be held accountable for. Mm-hmm. So if they have a quiz in one class and they have um, a paper due in another class and they have a reading assignment for your class, guess which class comes last on the list? Right. Unless, unless, and so this is the key, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We have to... Um, provide the expectation that they will not just read, but engage with the reading. And we need to um, offer them ways to do that. And we need to hold them accountable for doing that. Mm -hmm. So um, people who hold students accountable for having completed the reading, I think, find that students are much more likely to have completed the reading. And there are a lot of ways to do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, some people put a little reading quiz on ReggieNet. You know, Mm -hmm. that's probably one of the least effective ways unless the reading quiz is really well done because Mm – it's usually you very know, it's superficial just, stuff. and Yeah, it's superficial stuff. Depending on the class, it could be very uh, knowledge level stuff that it's easy for them yeah. to kind of guess But at. you know what? It's better than nothing. Yeah. It's so yeah. much better than nothing. Yeah. And, you know, other people have students, um, uh, you know, provide study reading questions, mm-hmm. things that students should be thinking mm-hmm. about while they're reading. Um, other people have students bring discussion cl- questions to class right. based on the reading. Um Back, you know, back in the way back days of Foundations of Inquiry, there was a really popular uh, uh, teaching strategy um, called the the Ticket In. Mm-hmm. And um, lots of people who were teaching FOI uh, had students bring a ticket in. And mm-hmm. it was some evidence, written evidence generally, um, that they had read the reading, um, read the assignment, and engaged mm-hmm. with that in productive ways. And, and just so people know, Foundations of Inquiry was a, uh, used to be a general education course on campus, right. and the content of that was moved uh, into some different areas. Yeah, and, and, and it's yeah. so long gone that most people don't even know about it anymore. So, right. Uh, 
there was a, a pretty invested community of teachers, um, right. you know, involved in thinking about that course. And yeah. Tickets In was one of the outcomes of that. Yeah. So explain to me again quickly, how, how did the Ticket In system work again? Well, it was just, you know, usually it was just a, a piece of paper, okay. um, but it was um, something, you know, maybe the students needed to bring um, a summary of the reading. My favorite thing to do is to have students create a response to the reading. And I, I will hand out at the beginning of the semester a list of like 15 or 16 different ways to respond to a reading. Uh-huh. And then... Um, and they can choose. They can pick any one of those, or they can respond in some different way if they if they think of it. Um, you know, it might be um, create a concept map mm-hmm. of the reading, or okay. it might be um, uh, find one thing in the reading that you disagree with, and and write about why you disagree with it. I mean, you know, lots of you can come up with lot tons of those. And importantly, not. Not basic level questions like what are the three things your textbook author said about this necessarily. You you yeah. want to push them towards doing more thinking, higher level thinking, higher level yeah. thinking uh, when when they're when they're doing this reading because that's how they're truly we know they're truly engaging with it. Right, and, and you know if it's a really particular if it's a really difficult um, reading if mm-hmm. it's something new if you know if if it's a um, introductory level class and students are completely new to this um, mm-hmm. this discipline. Um, there's nothing wrong with just asking comprehension questions. Yeah, I mean you can you can do that. The problem with that is that that's easier um, for somebody to just get somebody else's answers to the comprehension question. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's some value in just copying somebody else's answers. I mean, it's yeah, you that's know, true. You know, it's not. Um, we we don't like to advertise that too much. I, I wouldn't advertise that at all. But you know, but writing something down, you know, can put it in your can sure. put it in your brain a little sure. bit. So. Um, and and it helps sometimes that, that that's enough to fill in the picture that's needed for them to make their own judgments about a, right. a topic or to think critically about it. Or to something. figure out, oh my gosh, I really don't know anything about this. So right. I it, it probably, is. Ooh, there's <laughs> now there's a paper the there's reading. a paper we may write someday cheating yeah. as formative assessment. Yeah. <laughs> Self-assessment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheating is yeah. self-assessment. That could, yeah. end up, that could end up burning up the internet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've spent a little time talking about reading, which is appropriate, and we'll always yeah. come back to reading, uh, of course, uh, as we have our discussions. Because that's our podcast. how we roll. That's the way it works. <laughs> well, but there are other things that students should be on Absolutely. Task. Absolutely. And spending time on... So I think that there's an important distinction to be made mm-hmm. um, between assigning work and making sure that students spend time on task with that work. Mm -hmm. So, for example, it's very easy to say to a class, um, you have a paper due in four weeks about whatever. And then not to mention that again until, you know, I mean, maybe once a week you say, hey, don't, you know, don't forget, you got a paper due in three weeks. Yes. Oh, don't forget, you got a paper due in... Two weeks. Uh-huh. Oh, don't forget, you got a paper due at the end of this week. That's not really, that's encouraging them to spend time on task, but it's not really demonstrating that they're spending time on task. So, and it's not providing the structure that you had talked it's about. It's not earlier. providing, it's not really providing any structure that yeah. encourages them to do that. Yeah. So, you know, some people that I've talked to, some people have them turn in parts of the paper in, mm-hmm. you know, at various stages that mm-hmm. might work. Some people will have them, for example, um, at the end of the first week, they'll say, hey, I, I need a proposal. Mm-hmm. You know, I need mm-hmm. I need to know what it is you're going to write about and, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, I'm going I'm to need, um, 
you know, at the end of next week, uh, we're going to. Uh, I need I need you to bring a draft to my office. Sure. And uh, you sure. know, we're going to cancel the class on Friday next week, and instead, you know, everybody's yeah. going to stop by my office and show me their draft and ask me questions. So we're talking and about then, longer term assignments, yes, typically, yes. and um, that may naturally lend themselves to to being broken up into into little parts, or at least have little checkpoints. Right. Uh, in them, so yes. I, for example, I've worked with uh, faculty members in kinesiology or even in business where there's a client involved, where they're doing something for mm-hmm. either a real mm-hmm. students as a group, or even individually are working with either a real or a, a, a fictitious client, mm-hmm. um, depending on the circumstances. And so, because they're involved in a process, the process itself naturally lends checkpoints, right? Uh, just little touchstones. Hey, how milestones. you doing? Milestones. Some yeah. people call them milestones, milestones right? Yeah, yeah. Che- you yeah. know, checkpoints, whatever. And I don't know if there's points. Not, you know, not, we're getting into grading now, which may be too much into the weeds. You know, for this it one. doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can, um, you can assign points for these things. If, mm-hmm. You know, if if you want to, and if you think that that will um, increase student engagement, you can also have that. You know, if they're going to bring something and show it to you, you don't have to grade it. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to you have to see that they've done it. Right. You, have to, you know, it's helpful if you pass your eyes over it or whatever, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to turn into a, oh my gosh, you know, as a matter of fact, um, if you're somehow tempted to um, correct their grammar or, or, you know, their comma usage, don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> you right, know, right. sit on your hands yeah. while you while you look at what they've got. But tell them that you're not going to do that too. I think it's important oh, yeah. to let students know exactly What's what they can expect are. because we also don't want them to be turning in a lot of stuff to you, but they're like, well, you never give me any feedback on this. Right. And it's and, and you have to specify, this isn't the stuff that you're getting detailed feedback on. That's to right. come. This is to make sure that you're on time on and, task. And you may give feedback on, I mean, it depends on, you know, it yeah. depends on what it is, right? Yeah, right. So, I mean, if it's a draft, you may give them some mm-hmm. feedback, but um, if it's just, if it's a proposal, then the feedback, mm-hmm. feedback may be, um, yeah, this sounds like a great idea or, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, let's talk about this because I'm not sure this is really going to work. There's been, you know, this has been written to death. So, you know, let's look for something mm-hmm. different to write about. So I have a question for you when I was thinking about I – w- I did actually think a little bit ahead about yeah, our okay, podcast go- oh, good. I'm so today. Um, how do we give students a good sense of how long it should take to do particular tasks associated with their learning in our course? How do you yeah. estimate that? Well, it, yeah, it's really hard to estimate it because, of course, everything's going to take them longer than it would take you. Um, it's not a bad idea to do an assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a really good idea to do an assignment. We could talk about that some other time. But um, it won't give you a very accurate idea of how long it's going to take them. Oh, when you say do an assignment, you mean me as the instructor do you my assignment? You as the instructor do the assignment. Yeah, and the, yeah, really, really. I think that's it's the reaction a, you're going to get. Ugh. Yeah, really. I'm too it's, busy. It's a great idea, but yeah, no, uh, I, we can talk about it another time. But yeah. you know, um, over time, you can develop a good sense. So here's what I started doing a couple of years ago. I flipped my uh, design your course workshop in the summer. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And. Um, Took a lot of the stuff that we were doing uh, during our face-to-face, our time together, and um, asked people to do it on the in the in the empty spaces, the time in between. Mm-hmm. The first time, I just guessed, mm-hmm. you know, because I had told people, I had said, you know, we're going to spend X number of hours together each week, and um, I also expect that you will spend X number of hours working on things in between our time together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first time I just guessed, I mean, I, you know, I, 
I guess it was an informed guest. I had done the readings. I was doing the readings. I figured, you know, other people with similar education levels could probably do the readings about in about the time it took me. Um, but then I asked in ReggieNet. So I had, I used Lesson Builder and mm-hmm. I had the various assignments listed in Lesson, on a Lesson Builder page, on a lesson, I guess it's called. And um, then at the end, I had a little, it was like a, um, a poll, and uh-huh. it said, um, for the time you spent working on this assignment, was it more than I approximated or less than I approximated? Okay. And I put the approximated time next to the assignment. Right. So I said, you know, well, okay. do, read this read this chapter in D. Fink's book, mm-hmm. and, um, and then I put in parentheses, uh, 45 minutes. Cause, and, and so I like that because uh, that I think that's helpful. And I think that's something that even students can relate to. Because Absolutely. in our lives nowadays, you go on, you know, you're asked to fill out surveys all the time, uh, whether it's actual social scientific research or it's something from your bank or something like that. And they will say, and that's good survey design to yeah. say how long you think it should, it should only take you 10 minutes to do this. Yeah. Tom had a political. Tom, my husband Tom, had a political pollster call him last night, and the, uh-huh. um, and he usually, you know, hangs up on those people. But the guy said, um, "This, we're asking you to participate in a survey. It's going to take about four minutes." Yeah. And Tom was like, "Eh." I can and spend and did four he minutes. did he break out the watch? And did it did it take four I, minutes? I think. Well, it seemed to me that it took a little longer than four minutes. I didn't know it was going to take four minutes, and I wondered why he was on the phone for so long. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that could have just yeah. been because, right. you know, dinner was waiting or so, whatever. So people may approach some of these time limits with a little suspicion anyway. Um, but uh, so it may be better to lowball them a little bit uh, the first time around until you get some feedback. Well, I th- I hoped I was highballing. Okay. Um, actually, because I um, I wanted people to sort of set aside that, that much time. I see. To do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried to sort of overestimate what, mm-hmm. what, how, how much time it would actually take them to do it. Because mm-hmm. um, I figured if they set aside 45 minutes and it only took them 30 minutes, they feel, you know, they like me better. What can they I feel say? Like they, they feel like they accomplished something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if I say it's going to take 45 minutes and it actually takes an hour and a half, they're going to be mad. That's or they're true. only going to spend 45 minutes on it. Or they won't, or they, although they'll do it once, but they won't do it again. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I actually tried to sort of overestimate. Okay. And, um, you know, I, it took some people longer and some people shorter, but I was able to sort of see some trends and then adjust that for the next time that I did the workshop. Okay. So, what else do we need to know about being time on task? There are some sort of recommended practices that go along with this principle. So, there are things like, um, expecting students to complete assignments promptly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, holding fast to deadlines. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of chatter about that. That's a whole, that's another, let's, let's yeah. talk teaching. So yeah. we don't need to go into that. But right. yes, but, you know, yes, on the whole, I think we do want to set reasonable deadlines and we want to, we want to, we expect students to, uh, to meet them. Telling students how much time we expect them to spend on the class, I think that's something that belongs in our syllabi. Um, you know, at the very, you know, this class, you know, the successful completion of this class is probably going to require that you spend between three and five hours a week outside of class mm-hmm. working on the learning activities that, that I'm going to be mm-hmm. preparing for you. And, and I think that's better than what a lot of, and I have done this before, 
students are talking about either they have an excuse or there's you know there's some there's some issue that's come up or or we don't think that they're doing the reading or something and you say you know the university handbook says you're supposed to spend three hours for every credit hour that you are and they all kind of yeah i won't make the noise but usually it's a yeah right yeah um so i if you're gonna if you're gonna do that it's probably good to be explicit about it well and i think be you know be real yeah. Be real. You know, yeah. tell them how much time you really expect them and then give them things to do that will actually take about that much time. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe take a stab at saying, okay, you need to read chapter six and you need to create three discussion questions based on the chapter. And this is probably going to take you about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be in your, you know, in your course schedule or whatever that information can be. So, you know, asking students to um, rehearse in class, you know, presentations or, or, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's really, there's just lots of things that you can do, lots of ways to encourage them. But the big thing is going to be designing things that are engaging, Mm -hmm. holding people accountable for doing them, and then, you know, moving on. Don't get sucked into that, oh, they didn't do the reading. I'm going to have to lecture over the chapter. You know, don't let yourself get sucked into that. Mm-hmm. Um, time in class should be value added. Mm-hmm. So once you are pretty certain that you've, you've assigned them to do the reading, you've held them accountable in some way for doing that reading, march on. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do, do the next thing. And, you know, a really good thing to do in class is to engage them in tasks that require what they should have learned from the reading. To make it a, a building, a, right. a, an iterative process. Or right. Learning is an iterative experience. Yeah. 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 So that's sort of that's sort of flipping. Someday we should talk about flipping. I seem we, to be keep mentioning that mentioning that today. <laughs> yeah, we we did talk about that a lot today, and I yeah. think that is a good one. And that's a that's a big topic in and of itself. Yeah. I know. So one one final very quick question: When we're talking about set expectations and then hold them to those expectations. I just want to know what your thoughts are on this. I have found it a little valuable to have some sort of an exam early on. Um, Sometimes I've done, you know, we we actually talked about this a few days ago off mic. I started giving them the the final exam the first day to see what they, to use it as a, as a sort of formative assessment or, or at least a a pretest sort of thing. Have you worked with anything like that or is that a... Well, I tell you something that I, I think is really helpful is a is any kind of prior knowledge probe, okay. and that's one of the things that that um, giving the giving the final exam on the first day, you know, that tells you sort of what they already know, mm-hmm. and it gives you it lets you know whether there are things that you can spend less time on than you thought you might need to, or spend things you're going to need to spend more time than you thought you would. Mm-hmm. But there are there are lots of prior knowledge probes out there. There's mm-hmm. lots of ways to lots of strategies for doing that. And okay. I think that that's always you know it's if students students need to know their stuff they don't know. <laughs> yes. And you know spe- specifically in relation to your course, yeah. and that's that's yeah. that keeps them engaged. Yeah. And that may help you adjust assignments that you're expecting them to do. For example, outside of the classroom. Right. Um, it's probably harder to keep students on task when the task at hand is something they think they've is to them review right. or something that they don't feel they need to spend as much time on. And if you do a prior knowledge probe and you yeah. discover that, you know, almost everybody knows this stuff, there's a couple who don't, uh-huh. then you may be able to f- design some out-of-class learning experiences for those people to kind of catch up. Oh, that's a good um, idea, yeah. And then, you know, then you can okay. kind of move on. You don't have to pull everybody else back and say, okay, right. well, there's three people in this class of 30 who don't know this, so right. we're going to spend a week talking about it. 
Well, Claire, thank you so much. Some great ideas and uh, some stuff to think about. And I, I'm sure we'll touch on this and the six other uh, <laughs> principles, <laughs> other for, principles. Yeah, uh, for uh, good practice in undergraduate education at some other point. So thanks again. Okay. Thank you, Jim. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about our podcast on our website. That's ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. Click on the podcast link at the top of the page. You'll find a link to this particular show's notes. For Claire LaMonica and everyone here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, I'm Jim G. Until we talk again, happy teaching.